Good morning, everyone. Please turn to number 299 and join us singing Amazing Grace. Our call to worship. Good morning. morning. Call to worship this morning is Psalm 102, verses 18 through 22. This is a prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before the Lord. This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. For he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven did the Lord behold the earth. To hear the groaning of the prisoner, to loose those that are appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the people are gathered together and the kingdoms, to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, Our theme this morning is going to be God is always with us in our afflictions and in our trials and in our sufferings. Let's continue to worship him singing number 67, O God, our help in ages past. Shadow of thy throne, still may we dwell secure. 
That song is based on the Psalm of Moses when God's people were wandering in the wilderness waiting to enter the promised land. Let us pray. Lord God, we're gathered here this morning to worship you. This is your day. This is the day when we especially set it aside to to worship you and and to rest in you and to commune with you and to know you better. So we pray that your presence would fill this place. Your spirit would be upon and in each and every one of us who are gathered here and who may be um, watching. And uh, Father, we just pray you would settle our hearts and open our hearts, and may our every thought be directed to you with no distractions, but just you and us, and you mostly, we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen. And now, uh, if you will take your bulletin inserts, on one side we have uh, the prayer of confession, Uh, from the Book of Common Prayer, and let us pray this together. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And Just because we may have this memorized, let us never take these words for granted from the Apostle John when he was at least in his 80s and he was writing to scattered Christians under persecution, but holding on to their faith in Jesus. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And, you know, Debbie's uh, memorized the Hebrew song, that would have been enough. That would have been enough to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God always does above and beyond what we can expect. So if we meant it when we confessed our sins, we're not only forgiven, but we're going to continue to be made righteous like him. That's an awesome promise. I hope we never take it for granted. And now um, let's uh, continue to worship the Lord, singing about the blessedness and the power of prayer, number 166, Sweet Hour of Prayer.
seated for the reading of God's word. Scripture reading this morning, Genesis 39 and Matthew 5, 11 and 12. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass, from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, 
and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wouldeth not what is with me in the house, and hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. And how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Mm. This is Matthew 5, verses 12, 11, 12. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Amen. 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 Well, let us uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father of Jesus the Savior, we thank you for your greatest promise to all who are your children through the faith of Jesus, that you will always be with your children and in them in every circumstance, no matter how difficult and no matter how long it may last. We also thank you that in spite of our tendency to hurt others and and you and even ourselves, that you have sent your son to be the way back to you, to be forgiven, cleansed, and enabled to change so we can be like you if we surrender all to him in humble, obedient faith.
So please help us to understand and accept that troubles, suffering, and persecution may happen at any time to all who belong to Jesus by faith. However, in all of this, he will bless his own. Therefore, help us to keep the joy you give us in the Holy Spirit, your gift to us, even in the hardest of times. And thank you for the example of Joseph and the general teaching in the form of the promise command that Jesus gave to all of his fathers. It's based on the story of Joseph and his life and his total devotion to you and your ways. So we pray you would help us and all of our brothers and sisters in Jesus to continue to grow into him, taking on more and more who he is. And please give us grace to witness by how we live and all we say, to reveal Jesus to others, to those who are not knowing him, so they may come to know him and you will be glorified. We pray for those who are being persecuted for Jesus' sake around the world, in Iran, Afghanistan, China, North Korea, and elsewhere. May they experience this promise of Jesus. And we pray for the refugees who have escaped persecution, even those who do not yet know Jesus. We pray for our nation, the deep divisions, because people would rather impose their views rather than respectfully dialogue and seek to understand one another. And we pray you would open eyes to see that life begins at conception and also to know and accept your plan for men and women, which is either chaste singleness or one man, one woman for life, that this plan is the best. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem and may we all be ready for the heavenly Jerusalem. We pray for our church family. We pray for Cindy and Jeff and Norma and Pam and Joe and his family, Allie and her family, and especially for her uh, twin sister, Emmy. Father, we pray for um, Elon. We pray for Christine and her brother Stephen and his family. We pray for Ken. Peter, Linda, Billy, their extended family, John and Pat, and all the the generations that have come from them. We pray for Sally and Jimmy, Father. Please bless them and thank you for them and just the gifts that you have given them and who they are. We pray for uh, Kurt and Dory and for Ginny and her family, for Charlie, for, for Rob and his family. Father, you know each of us, and you know exactly what we need. And you are the perfect Father, so we thank you for that. We also pray for your word and the explanation, interpretation, and application of it. May we learn and be changed through this story of Joseph and the words of Jesus. We pray also for the sacrament. We pray that you would be revealed to us in both and that you would fill us and change us more and more to be like you. And now we come to you with one heart and one voice in the words of the prayer, the outline model prayer that Jesus left for his followers to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we prepare our hearts to go deeper into God's word, I think this is a good prayer song. Number 412, Draw Me Nearer. Now, different people will have different ideas about what this means. Is there a general description of people that fits everyone? Now, a phrase that I heard often, at least 20 times during my high school years, which was 1967 to 1971, was this. Man's inhumanity to man. Have any of you all ever heard this? Give me a little show of hands. Uh, It reflects maybe being a a little bit older and the kind of education we had. Um, You see, no matter how good our intentions and no matter how many genuinely good deeds we have done, There is something in every person, something in every person capable of doing harm to another person. In one of David's Psalms, he wrote these words, even my close friend whom I trusted has lifted his heel against me. 
David wrote of this truth of being betrayed by someone close to us two more times using other words and images in the book of Psalms. Job, as most of us know who have ever read that book, experienced contempt from his friends who blamed him for what happened to him. The prophet spoke of betrayal of God's people by friends and families. Jesus said his disciples, and this is through the ages, that they would be handed over to death even by family members. And then he said he himself would be betrayed by one of his 12 closest, closest disciples. Now, there are many more examples. I've just given you a handful. Many more examples of this truth about human nature in God's word. Now, today's text, I'll give you a little background. Uh, Maybe most of you know it. But it's the result. It shows us the result of jealousy among brothers, which was brought about because of the favoritism shown by their father. You see, Israel, which was what Jacob's name was changed to, he was chosen by God to be the father of his favored nation. But he showed a special love to his firstborn son of Rachel namely Joseph. And his other brothers hated him for this, and they planned to kill him. But they had a change of heart and sold him to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. That's all in Genesis. Now, here's the bottom line, and then we'll look at the details. God is with those who have been betrayed. And the very last chapters of Genesis tell this amazing and awesome truth about God that he's even willing to restore betrayers who repent and turn to him. So our Genesis chapter this morning teaches us of the special gift of grace that God gave to Joseph. Joseph finds grace when he's unjustly imprisoned. So let us look at our larger scripture passage, this chapter about Joseph, which can be summed up with these words. Joseph receives grace as a slave until his master's wife traps him and lies to her husband. But even while in jail, Yahweh the covenant God gives him grace with the jailer. This is in three parts. So it starts that while Joseph works as an Egyptian official slave, Yahweh was with him, prospers him, and he becomes overseer of the household. Let's look at it part by part in order. First, we're told Joseph was taken down to Egypt and Potiphar. Now, Ellie had asked me how to pronounce it, and somehow you got it right. I, I, I looked up the actual original word. I've always called him Potiphar. It doesn't matter. He bought him from the Ishmaelites. Why did he buy him? To be a slave. So because of his brother's inhumane jealousy, Joseph is now a slave 300 miles from home. And that was at least a 10-day journey. He wasn't going back, and he belongs to this Egyptian. Now, Potiphar was the chief over all the guard of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he had a powerful high position. But we're told, then Yahweh was with Joseph, causing him, causing him to prosper in his master's house. And his master saw that because Yahweh was with him, he caused him in all that he did to prosper. And then Joseph found favor, which is another word for grace. Found favor in the eyes of him, and then he was made overseer. I think that's the best word. He was put in charge of all that Potiphar had. So I believe with all my heart, this is the most important promise that God gives to people. I think I said the other week, it's the only blank check in the whole Bible. 
This promise of his presence, God was with him. This reveals the heart of the covenant God's Yahweh relationship with his people. Namely, he will always be present with them, even in the most severe of circumstances, and even if those circumstances don't change. He always says, I will be with you. Now, he also caused them to prosper. And what does that mean in this context? He fully accomplished every task assigned to him. Okay. Now, as a result of excellently doing all he was assigned, he found favor or grace from Potiphar. Now, let me just add something here. Because our human nature is flawed, Our grace tends to be works-driven, but that's not the real definition of grace. God's grace is awesome, and we are told that the source, the cause of Potiphar's grace was the free grace of the covenant God. Joseph finds grace when he's unjustly enslaved, And then we're told from the beginning of the time, the Egyptian made him overseer. Yahweh blessed his house, the house of the Egyptian. And the field, inside and outside, because of Joseph. So he knew nothing except for the food that he ate. Now, uh, blessing. This word baruch in Hebrew It includes both prosperity and peace. It's a big word. And we're told that because Potiphar could see and feel this blessing of Joseph, he trusted Joseph and he did not need to know any details. I found it kind of intriguing that the original said he, he didn't know. He didn't need to know. Well, he got to the point where he said, something's happening here with Joseph. I can't explain it, but I don't have to worry what's happening in my house. Okay. He was fully pleased with Joseph and his work. That's another word for grace, fully pleased. Joseph found grace even when he was unjustly enslaved. Now, here's a kind of a turning point, a pivot. Joseph was handsome of form And in appearance, this description uses um, poetic repetition. All three words are interrelated. Now, the feminine form of this adjective was used of his mother, Rachel. That's why Jacob preferred her to Leah, who was ordinary. Basically, we can say that seeing such a person from head to toe gave delight. Now, While we were singing, I'm going to change what you have in your outlines because I think it's a better description. In boomer vernacular, the Holy Spirit is saying, Rachel was a looker and Joseph was a hunk. So part two, the official's wife lusts after this handsome hunk, Joseph, but he rightly refuses her until she traps him and then lies to her husband. So we're told then it happened, and that always means we're moving to another scene, another part of the story. His master's wife lifted her eyes to Joseph and said to him, come lay with me. And he refused, saying, my master does not know, repetition there, with me in the house, all that he owns is in my charge. He's held nothing back from me, but you, his wife, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. Do you see where Joseph's focus is? He knows it would be a sin against his human master, but even worse, it would be a sin against God. So what we have here is a very lusting, lustful wife. And it was actually inevitable for a pagan woman to lust after him because in pagan worship, Actually, sexual intercourse was part of that worship, but was not looked down upon. So when she saw his form, this man is a hunk. She just lusted after him. But notice Joseph's refusal. 
This response shows both moral strength coming from his humility to God and man. So there's moral strength in his character. And he will not betray his master's trust in him because, and this is important, he has experienced God's grace. If we have trouble following God, if we have trouble maintaining faith in him, we need to learn how to experience and receive God's wonderful gift of grace. And Joseph had done this. And that makes him determined to avoid all wickedness in God's eyes, even when we're told she pursued him day after day. Okay. And then one day... He just happened to go in the house to work, and she was alone. And she caught him by his garment, his cloak, and she said, lay with me. But he left his garment in her hand, and he fled, and he went outside. Again, he was determined to do what was right. But when she saw that he had left his garment, she called to the other men's servants and said, look, he He, meaning um, her husband, has brought this Hebrew slave to make sport of us. Now, if you remember earlier, Isaac and Rebekah, they were passing themselves off as brother and sister to an earlier Pharaoh. And he was going to take Rebekah, but he saw them making sport. Okay, so that's a euphemism. To make sport of us And he came to me to lie with me, and I cried out in a loud voice, and he fled. So Joseph, who had carefully avoided even being alone with her, on this day in her lust, she trapped him. She sprung the trap. Now, he obeyed God by immediately refraining from sexual immorality to maintain his consecration to Yahweh. The same truth is spelled out in the New Testament. However, his execution was awkward because she now had his robe in her hand and he went out naked. So frustrated and angry at him, she lied about both his intentions and hers concerning this sporting. So we're told she placed his garment near her until his master came home. And then she told them, the Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came to me to sport in me. And as I lifted up my voice, he left his garment and fled outside. So she had this plan now to make her husband, Joseph's master, punish him after he returned from his day of serving Pharaoh. Now, she gives him a shorter version of the lie that she told to those other men's servants. But nonetheless, he heard the lie. So now we come to part three, the end of this chapter and story. The official throws Joseph in jail, but Yahweh is one with him, Two, reaching out to him in his love. And three, giving him grace with the jailer. So as his master heard the words of his wife, he trusted his wife. She said, this thing your slave did to me. He got angry. He took Joseph. He put him in the prison where the king's prisoners, after all, he was working for the king, where they were bound, bottom line, now He was in prison. Now, literally, we're told that the master, his anger was hot and his nostrils flared. Everything was stirred up in him. So now Joseph, he's a slave and he's also in jail. But that's not the end of the story. Yahweh was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love, chesed, and gave him grace, chanan. So again, three things. Just as Yahweh had been with Joseph in his early days of his slavery in Egypt, so now he was also with him in prison. 
And then Joseph got to experience the strong, life-sustaining love of Yahweh, even now in prison. And then the gift of grace. Yahweh gave Joseph the gift of grace in the eyes of the ruler of the prison, or we could call him the jailer. Joseph finds grace even now when unjustly imprisoned. And then the end of the story. And the ruler of the prison gave Joseph authority over all the prisoners. So Joseph was the doer of all that was done there. And the ruler saw to nothing under Joseph because Yahweh was with him. And what he did, Joseph, Yahweh was making it to prosper. Now, this is kind of interesting. As I thought about it, it came to me. Joseph was doing the jailer's work. Now the jailer had it easy. He could just put his feet up because Joseph was doing all his work for him. Now, now speaking of work, um, this application came to me. And it kind of came from a movie that Debbie and I watched on Friday. Fellow followers of Jesus, let us all be like Joseph in this manner, that we will seek God for what he wants done in the here and now. Not 1,900 years ago, uh, I'm sorry, 3,900 years ago, almost 4,000 B.C., not 2,000 years ago when Jesus, but here and now. And then pray that he would help us to do all the work he wants us to do. You see, our, our challenge is to seek God in the early 21st century when our circumstances are different, but that we would still do what his saints did in the past, Joseph, the apostles, everyone. Now... Because Yahweh was graciously with Joseph, everything he did prospered. There's that word coming back again, as in the beginning of the story at the end, and the jailer got to take credit for it. You see, Joseph found grace even when he was unjustly imprisoned. And let us just hold on to that. There's no reason why we can't get grace from God doing his will with joy, with faithfulness, no matter what our circumstances. Now, if we come up to the um, gospel in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew, Jesus gives his disciples a promise and a command concerning persecution. First, they are blessed. Should they be persecuted, Or should people falsely speak evil against them for his sake? So he says, you're being blessed. Even when you may be reproached, other people may reproach you, or even when they may persecute you. You see, Jesus is promising, it's in the continuous present tense, a continual blessing to his followers. And this blessing is even whenever they may be reviled and treated with hostility, even with harsh actions directed at them, much like happened to Joseph. And then he says, and when they may even say all evil against you falsely because of me. You see, those who hate Jesus and his followers are often accusing his followers of things that are just not true. So here's another truth that is contrary to our human nature. We're talking about living for Jesus' sake. Jesus promises blessings to his disciples. When people falsely say evil things about them and are calling them out in public with insults and persecuting them, Because as his disciples, they're fully committed to living for him and doing his will to his glory. In other words, for his sake, not ours. Those persecuted for Jesus 
are blessed. Again, that goes against everything people will say. But in addition to the promise, they must also rejoice and be glad in this, in these persecutions and evil speaking, since their reward is much. For so were the prophets persecuted. So Jesus gives a twofold command that goes with this blessing. Because you are blessed, you must be rejoicing and you must be exceedingly glad. During these persecutions and evil speaking, disciples of Jesus must continue to rejoice and continue in exceeding gladness. Continue in exceeding gladness. This too, is contrary to our human nature. We can't do it in our own strength. It can only be done through the faith of Jesus and the power and love of the Holy Spirit. Give ourselves over to Jesus. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's given it to his disciples. And he says, why should you obey these commands? Since your reward is much in the heavens. You see, God in heaven is giving their reward. Now, of the three superlatives over what is expected much more and most, this is the least, but it is still much. It's much of a reward, more than an ordinary reward. And then he says, for so they persecuted the prophets, those being before you. People, I think this is awesome, okay? I don't know about you, but I'm just an ordinary person, an ordinary disciple of Jesus. But he's putting ordinary disciples of him on a level with Jeremiah and Isaiah, prophets who told of his coming. And each one suffered ridicule and persecution. You can look it up in the book of Jeremiah. He was put in prison. And then I remember the first time I read this story, it was so dramatic. He was placed in the bottom of a waterless cistern until Eved Melech, which means the servant of the king. He was an Ethiopian servant of King Zedekiah, and he rescued him because he believed the words given through Jeremiah. And we are told many people think Isaiah was sawed in two with other persecuted men of God of whom the world was not worthy. You can read that in Hebrews. Bottom line, Jesus is saying those who are persecuted for him are blessed, are blessed. It doesn't feel that way, but it's true. We have the word of Jesus. So to wrap it all up in just a few sentences, Joseph finds grace and he prospers as a slave in Egypt until his master's lusty wife traps him and lies to her husband who throws him in jail. But even in jail, Yahweh is with him, extending his strong love to Joseph and giving him grace with the jailer. Whatever we're going through, remember Joseph and all that God did for him. Joseph found grace even when unjustly imprisoned. And then 1,900 years after Joseph, Jesus promises a blessing to those who are persecuted for his sake. Now, it won't come to all of us all the time, but in my prayer, I was praying. I've seen on the news the persecuted Christians in Iran and other places. We know about that. If we're persecuted for his sake, we will be blessed. We are being blessed. And he commands them to rejoice even in this persecution since they will be rewarded as the persecuted prophets of old. Bottom line, Jesus himself says there are a blessing. Those who are persecuted for his sake, for his name, they are blessed. So I think the story of Joseph and Jesus' words, they just tie together. In fact, in many ways, Joseph was a type of Jesus. Well, now... Um, as we get ready to take the sacrament of communion, let us prepare our hearts singing number 265. Let us break bread together.
Anyone who does not yet uh, have a communion kit, um, I'll wait a minute until everybody has one. All right, if everyone is ready, let us take our bulletin insert and do this responsive reading together. The table of bread is now to be made ready, it is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. So come to the table, you who have much faith, and you who would like to have more. You Through your goodness, may we know your presence in the sharing, so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among us all in the through the centuries and shares with us now. May one be Christ and one with each other. We offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. And let us pray. Holy Lord God, by what we do here in remembrance of Christ, we celebrate his perfect sacrifice on the cross and his glorious resurrection and ascension. We declare that he is Lord of all and we prepare for his coming kingdom. We pray through you, Holy Spirit, this bread may be for us the body of Christ, and this cup the blood of Christ. Accept our sacrifice of praise as we eat and drink at his command. Unite us to Christ as one body in him, and give us strength to serve you in the world, and to you, one holy and eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give praise and glory now and forever. Amen. Let us partake of the bread and the cup. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, and we remember his words 
in that contentious day in John's gospel. And he said, I'm going to make it positive. If you eat of my body and drink of my blood, then you are mine. We're going to make it positive, not negative. And Lord, help us to stay in you and in Jesus. And we thank you for this real nourishment which we have received, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And now let us uh, sing for our closing song, number 133, I Then Shall Live. Let that be our prayer for now and for the rest of our lives. my sister used to get the Gaither magazine, a glorious testimony as she wrote those words. Our benediction, our good word, comes from Paul's letter to the churches in Corinth. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, 
that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. And that's our collective body, not just as individuals, but the whole body of Christ as one in him. Amen. And now let us sing number 499, I Will Serve Thee. Broken peace. 